We have come to um, number five in the Ultimate Question series. And every, every week it's like I hear the same thing over and over and over about how our, our little world, the little world that we live in, our culture, is at a state of decision, in a state of flux, in a position to be um, imploding or whatever. There, there, there's all kinds of uh, naysayers and doomsayers. And some of it, I think, is partly believable. But the, uh, the thing that is important to me is we need to know what God is doing. And in the face of this that we have brought on ourselves as a culture and the, the grinding stuff that some of you are experiencing, uh, if you've struggled with your work, with finances, um, because of the, of the economy, this is a little more personal to you than it might be to the one who hasn't had that struggle through this era. And other things are, are in play here. In the face of that, and I get this confirmed every week, it's amazing to me how many and how often this is being said, how many times and how often this is being said, that in the face of this, you know, that's the Greek, okay, you understand, Um, in the face of this that we're going through as a culture God is going to renew his people and save multitudes that are just in a state of heathenism right now. They're just, they don't know God. And if they believe there is a God, they live as if there is no God. God is going to do that. Now, when that comes, it's going to take uh, three forms. It's going to uh, have an emphasis on the written word of God. And we talked a couple of weeks about the reliability of Scripture and why we can just open it and believe it. It's going to, another thrust will be an emphasis on the person of Jesus Christ, who he is, why he is, what he does, how important he is. And the third thrust will be on the Holy Spirit with his gifts and his manifest power as he manifests the power of Christ in our cultural context. So we are poised as a congregation to make a huge difference in many lives. I want us to have a really sharp focus. And that's the reason we are talking about the ultimate question. And I want this to be answered better and better and better in your heart as days progress. The story is Jesus came to the reason of Caesarea Philippi. He asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But what about you? He asked, who do you say I am? I want this series, and I want the power of God working through us, in us, And apart from this series, I want God to get that settled better and better and better so that we 
are in a position to just give answers that will bring life to people who are struggling in their world. So today I want to start um, a study of the third part of this revival that I believe is coming. And my thesis is Jesus did miracles through the power of the Holy Spirit. Number one, Jesus was truly human and truly divine. First Timothy 3.16 says, Beyond all question, the mystery of godliness is great. He appeared in a body, was vindicated by the Spirit, was seen by angels, was preached among the nations, was believed on in the world, and taken up in glory. The mystery of godliness is great. And this is one of the great rubs is that we have something that is counterintuitive to our native intelligence. How can you be God and be human at the same time? Well, I don't know. It's a great mystery. But I don't have to know how it works for it to be true. And the scripture goes on in Colossians 2. It says, for in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And another scripture that says the same thing. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. So we have, and here it is, dear ones. We have the picture of Jesus, truly human, had all, he was just human. Now, he wasn't fallen human because his dad was God. But he was human in the sense that he had to have sleep. He had to have food, um, et cetera, et cetera. All of that is very true. And this is something that some people do not get a very good grip on. A lot of us believe that Jesus is truly God. Well, if you believe that then you can say, okay, God was going around doing miracles. But that, that poses a problem. Jesus is clearly portrayed as our example. I'm supposed to live like him. If he's God, <laughs> good luck, newbie. It's not going to happen in my lifetime. Jesus said, in John 13, I've set you an example that you should do as I've done for you. And 1 Peter 2.21 says, To this you are called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. We're supposed to follow Jesus. And it always has spooked me since I discovered this scripture that he says, uh, The works that I do, you will do, and greater works than these will you do. And it's like, if you're God, I don't think so. And so, that's, that's the problem. So let's go back to my thesis, which is Jesus did miracles through the power of the Holy Spirit. Number two, Jesus ministered in the miraculous. And when he did this, it was through the power of the Holy Spirit. This was an Old Testament prophecy, Isaiah 11, 2. The Spirit of the Lord will rest upon him. The spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of power, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. And Isaiah 42, here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him and he will bring justice to the nations. 
And there were just numbers of other prophecies that we could bring from the Old Testament. Now, in the New Testament, in Jesus' experience, we, we pick up right away after Jesus is an adult um, that he is, he is a man receiving the Holy Spirit. Matthew 3.16 says as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. Then a few verses later, we read that then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. I want to pause there because in Hebrews, and I was part of my devotional uh, passage this morning in the book of Hebrews, Jesus suffered when he was tempted. Thus, he can sympathize with us when we, when we are pressured by temptation and so forth. And Jesus suffered. And I was, as, as that was trying to soak through my, my thick skull, I was thinking about Jesus as he was really, really hungry. Blood sugar was at the bottom. He had fasted for over a month. And then Satan himself, who is a powerful creature. He is a creature. He's not God, but he's powerful. And he came nose to nose, not with God, though God, Jesus is God. He came nose to nose with a man who was a lot thinner than he had been 40 days, than when he started 40 days ago. Blood sugar was at the bottom, and Satan just starts hitting right at the foundation. When Jesus was baptized and he came up out of the water, a voice from heaven said, This is my son. Actually, he said, You are my son. It was in the second person. You are my son. Okay? So. Then, 40 days later, Satan comes, and what does he say? Remember, you are my son. What does he say? If you are the son of God. You see, the Lord had already set him up. God the Father had already set him up to overcome. But he had to remember what God had said. That's the reason we talk about being in the Scripture all the time. And that's the reason I have for a generation now <laughs> said to you, when God speaks to you, when he gives you that little word in prayer, when you're in the shower, when you're reading the Scripture and the, it jumps off the page, when that special word that is the Scripture is made more real to you than usual, Play that tape. That's what we used to do. Now we do something digital. Whether, and I, I, I have my stuff on a, a nano iPod. And um, wherever you have yours, play it over and over. Play that memory at least once a day. What do you think meditation is anyway? We're supposed to be meditating on the word of God, on the law of God. Meditate on the stuff that God has spoken to you. 
and it will become stronger and stronger. And then when the enemy comes and nails you, and you probably won't ever meet Satan face to face. I sure hope I don't. Jesus taught us to pray, keep us from the evil one. I pray it every day. Keep us from the evil one. I don't want to see Satan. I, you know, I've heard people you know, preaching about the authority of the believers say, just let me at him. That wasn't I saying that, okay? Uh, Jesus, you take care of him, and I'll wrestle with this little two-bit demon over here. But uh, whatever comes, the Lord is going to have set us up already for success. And so the word came, you are my son. The temptation comes, if you are the son of God. And so we we see Jesus as a human dealing with that. When he succeeded in overcoming that, uh, Luke 4 says, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. The news about him spread through the whole countryside. Four or five verses later, Jesus is reading from the Old Testament, but he is personalizing it. And um, when he gets through with it, he says, today this has been fulfilled. So this is, this is Jesus, not from the Old Testament now, but he is bringing this prophecy and nailing it in the present. The Spirit of the Lord is on me. The Spirit of the Lord is on me. It's not, I am God. He was God. But that's not how he was operating. That's not the mode in which he worked. The Spirit of the Lord is on me. He has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind to release the oppressed and so forth. Now, when we follow Jesus' life, the gifts of the Holy Spirit can be identified in the respective miracles and wonders. Uh, Peter, preaching at Cornelius' house, gave witness to this. He says, uh, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power And how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. He didn't do it because he was God, though he was God. Does that sound like double talk? It does to me. But it's the mystery we're dealing with. It's the mystery of godliness. And God has given us something that we have to take by faith. By the way, he always sets you up. So you're in a position to choose him. Garden of Eden, tree of life, tree of knowledge of good and evil. And every life since then has faced the choice. What is going to be your choice? So today I'm saying to you, let's bring the vessel, the, this, this house that the Holy Spirit lives in, and make it available on a level that we've never perhaps made it available before for the work of God to come through and do this. Let me, let me proceed here. You can follow Jesus' life, and you get to see the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus himself said, but if I drive out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come to you. We sang a minute ago, one of our songs had this line in it, I see a generation And I thought about you guys in your teens. You've been on my heart even more than usual because of uh, 
the change in leadership. And uh, I, I, I just want so much for you and your older siblings and your parents and your grandparents and your aunts and uncles and anybody else that's in the room or under our influence. I want us to begin to see ourselves as the people who are the carriers of the power of God that can change everything or anything. Just bring it up and let's see what God will do through his people. And it might be singular, through his kid. We we talk about God, come down and bless us. And, and I think that's an okay prayer. The fact is, if you belong to Jesus Christ, when you were born again, the Holy Spirit came and dwelt within you. Then later, if you were baptized in the Holy Spirit, you were taken by Jesus himself, who already lives inside you, but you were taken by Jesus himself and just dunked. That's, that's a legitimate term. And that's, that's conjugated correctly. Okay, that's proper. Get over it. Okay. You were, you were immersed. That's much more dignified. Isn't it? You were immersed in the Holy Spirit. It was kachunk. He put you. He is the baptizer. John said, he will baptize you. He's coming after me. Far greater than I am. I'm not even worthy to mess with his shoelaces. He will dunk you. Immerse you, that's what the word in the original language, baptizo, that's what that means. He will, he will dip you in the Holy Spirit. You already have the Holy Spirit. You're already born again. But there is additional stuff that God intends to do in you, for you, and through you. You are the one that he has sent since Jesus went back to heaven. And I think it's appropriate for us to say, I see a generation. And it could be the guys whose hair is the color of mine if they had any. That may be the generation that we're seeing. It could be our kids who may still have part of their hair. It could be these bushy heads that, that haven't started to lose either hair or color of hair. But God has sent us. He has sent you and the songwriter picked it up i see a generation now i think that songwriter was probably talking about a younger bunch but i don't know what god means i actually i do i shouldn't lie to you i try to stop that he sees you and wants you and as i have prayed for for our kids through this time as, as we're having to give up this leader that we all love so much. And, um, you know, there's been a lot of grieving going on, not only by his parents and the grandparents of his son. I'm, that, that's a special case. But, but the rest of us have also been doing that because he and his wife are just so special to us. And, and, we just bow to what God is doing and saying, 
And God is going to help us. He, it's, we're not dead, okay? In, as a matter of fact, it is the will of God that we come out of this better. Okay, kids. The scripture says, the all things work together for good to them that love God, etc. Is this one of the all things? Well, I don't like it. Well, what does that have to do with it? It's still an all thing, isn't it? So don't say, well, I can, I, you know, if I like it, I'll, the Lord's going to use that. No, the Lord has empowered the system in Christ Jesus so that the all things that happen to the believer will make us more like his son. Now, you have to love God, which means you get with the program of rejoicing in him about this. And, of course, you have to belong to him. You're called according to his purpose. And the all things work together for good. So here we are facing this all things in the youth department. Here we are uh, facing this stuff in, the, in our culture that, that we don't like. Uh, no matter what your, what your political leaning, the last five years has just had lots of stuff to slap you around. Whichever side of the fence you're on, whatever. And I do care. I don't care much. Because that's not what we're about. And, and when God moves on you to... Pray for our country as Eunice instructed you. Pray for our country. Pray that God will save us. Pray that God will save the president if he's not born again and his wife and the vice president and so forth. But dear one, we are here because of the lost people all over this community. And whatever goes on in Washington, these people are either going to go to heaven or hell. And a bunch of them are going to hell. Now, the, the current teaching is all paths lead to God. And by that, they mean all paths lead to heaven. Now, that's false. All paths do lead to God. Everyone will stand before God. And then those who are standing in Christ Jesus will go to heaven and everyone else will go to hell. And I'm not glad about that. I don't say that with any kind of, with relief or, well, they deserve it. We all deserve it. So get over that. If you get what you deserve, you'll go where I'll go. And that's straight to hell. Because all have sinned. Gotcha? Okay, we're agreed. And if you don't agree with me, maybe the Lord will give you wisdom so you can see it. Because I'm right. But not all paths lead to heaven. And we've got... These relationships, these people with whom we work, across from whom we sit in school, that we throw the trash back and forth across the back fence in the neighborhood. You know, we have these relationships and we are placed here on purpose. God did not make a mistake when he put you where you are. And I want us to begin to use the power of God. I went through and pulled out the gifts of the Spirit from 1 Corinthians 12 that I could identify in the life of Jesus. This is a fun study. This, it, this was entertaining. I always enjoy studying the Word of God, but boy, this, this was up a level. So I, I wrote them down, and then I, I tried to pick and an experience in Jesus' life that would just make it really clear that this is what was happening. 
So the first one I wrote down was message of wisdom. If you grew up with the King James, that's the word of wisdom. Message of wisdom. You think of a time in Jesus' life when he was using the message of wisdom? My favorite is when these guys who were trying to trap him in his words so that they could accuse him and either get him disqualified spiritually by the Jewish people or get him in trouble politically with the Romans. So they come with this great question. I, this, is, this is a masterful question. Teacher, is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar? How are you going to win that? Should we pay or shouldn't we? I love that question. These guys are not that dumb. I mean, this is a pretty sharp question. And they, you know, inside they're going, we got him. And he says, show me a denarius. That was what was used to pay the, the tax. And he says, uh, so they handed him a denarius. And he says, uh, what's the uh, image on here? And they said, Caesar's. And he says, give to Caesar what is Caesar's or to God what is God's. Now, that's the word of wisdom, folks. Jesus was smart, but I don't think he was that smart. That's the Holy Spirit just making. It was just great. It was just great. He did the same thing with the Sadducees who did not believe in the resurrection. And they told the story about this poor gal that was married to seven brothers in a row. None of them had any kids. Uh, whose wife she going to be in the resurrection? And he says, you don't have a clue. He says, they don't, when you're in the resurrection, they're like the angels. They don't marry. They're not given in marriage. And then comes, that was just fact. You know, that, that wasn't word of wisdom in particular. But then comes this deal, and he says, you guys are huge losers doctrinally. Let me show you when God identified himself to Moses, he says, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And then Jesus says, he is not the God of the dead, but of the living. You are badly mistaken. Now that's, I, I, Jesus was smart, but I don't think he was that smart. This is the Holy Spirit. And if he were that, I don't mean that to be disrespectful. Please don't. Think I'm putting down Jesus. I, I, I don't, I'm not good enough to even speak about him, okay? I, I understand the difference here between him and me a little bit. But you see the word of wisdom, the message of wisdom by the power of the Holy Spirit. Then there is the message of knowledge. And um, <clears throat> there are several times through when Jesus would um, know what people were thinking. That's the word of knowledge. Uh, sometimes he didn't always know this. Sometimes he would have to ask them what they were thinking. But other times he would know what they had just said or whatever. But my favorite passage, uh, and I, every time I go through John, it, it, I just get tickled at Nathaniel. Uh, Philip says, come see. Anything good come out of Nazareth? Nathaniel says, come see. Be a scientist. Just see. And when Jesus saw the Nathaniel approaching, he said to him, here is a true Israelite in whom there is nothing false. How do you know me? Nathaniel asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathaniel declared, Rabbi, 
You're the son of God. You're the king of Israel. He believed on that simple little word of knowledge, the message of knowledge by the Holy Spirit. It's powerful. And that's one of those things that I have wished so much that flowed through me more because it has this kind of effect on people so that if you can just go up and read their mail, just a little short piece of their mail, you, that you have their total attention. The same thing happened in John, the fourth chapter, where Jesus was at the well at Sechar in Samaria, and this gal comes out, and they get in a conversation, and um, it comes down to where he says, uh, go call your husband. And I said, I don't have a husband. And then he just read her mail, just one little line from her mail that said, you're right, you don't have a husband. You've been married five times. And the guy you're living with now, you're not even married to. And she went, whoa. <laughs> and the whole village got saved. I love that. So pray for that in you and me. And uh, let God do that. The gift of faith is all over the place. My favorite passage, and if you know me and listen to me preach much, you know that I'm going to go to the story where Jesus is upon the Mount of Transfiguration, comes down, the disciples are trying to exorcise the demon from a, from a young man, and they're flunking. And dad of the kid says to Jesus, if you can, help us. And Jesus says, go ahead and believe. All things are possible if you believe. And he says, I don't have enough. That's a paraphrase. I don't have enough faith. So what happened to his kid? The gift of faith flowed through Jesus. And he believed God the demon was driven out of his son, and the kid was whole and normal for the first time in a decade or two. Hallelujah. Uh, I've, I've seen that in my own ministry, and it, it's an amazing thing when people are struggling to believe and they're trying to believe. And I have this picture in my mind of this one story, and I've shared it with you, but when it was just impressed on my mind, just, just impart the gift of faith. And I was praying under my breath. There was no hype. There was no nothing. And I just began to say, Lord, just give him faith. Just exercise the gift of faith right here, Holy Spirit. And it was about 30 to 60 seconds, somewhere very briefly, he raised up and looked at me and said, I believe it. Now, that'll make you crazy on the inside. You want to do that every day. Because it is about meeting human need that these gifts come. And faith is so necessary. Gifts of healing are another gift that we see all the time. And the story I pulled out of the scores and scores that I could have was this when, when Jairus' daughter had died. And Jesus gets there and they, they've already started their... Their, their grieving thing, which was to wail and mourn and everybody was supposed to just carry on and you, you, you get some of the grief and the pain out. And that's the way that culture did it and it was reasonably effective. And Jesus said, stop that. She's not dead, she's asleep. And so they turned into derisive laughter. 
But he put him out and went in, took her by the hand. <laughs> the girl by the hand, and she got up. The scripture says, hallelujah. Now that, in any time we, we have need of healings, um, we, we, just, we just are so blessed because God comes and heals people. I'd had a hemorrhage one time, and as a matter of fact, it was the first upper GI hemorrhage I had, and I had bled down to where I couldn't stand upright. I could get around by crawling. And so it's 2.30 in the morning, and when you're hemorrhaging like that, one of the symptoms is thirst. And so I was crawling to the fridge because... In, in that part of our life, I had my very own stash of water in the fridge so I could go and just drink out of the fridge. Can't do that anymore. Life gets harder as you get older. But I had my own stash, and so I would crawl to the kitchen, which was the length of the house, drink and crawl back, and I was nauseated and totally upset, just upside down physically. And Eunice could see me silhouetted, silhouetted against the nightlight of, in Pam's room, which was across the hall. And so I'm crawling past the door, and she says, wakes up, 2.30 in the morning, Bill, what's wrong? And Macho says nothing and stands up, takes two steps into the bathroom, and just crashes into the shower. The God is with us. The door didn't break. Nothing got cut. You, you know, the Lord has to have mercy because of our brilliance. And uh, so I had so little blood that my muscles were beginning to draw, and I was tingling all over. I was getting some nerve deadness and tingling like when your arm has been asleep and you wake up. You remember that? I try to avoid that now, but you remember it. And so my arms were, were doing this, and I just I felt awful. I was deathly nauseated and just felt rotten. And Eunice just started praying for me. And it wasn't 10 seconds until my muscles relaxed, the tingling went away, the nausea went away, and I just fell asleep. Now, one of the other symptoms of, of hemorrhage is that you don't sleep. I guess the body does that so you don't fall asleep and bleed to death in your sleep. I fell asleep and slept for about six hours, almost six hours. And I remember that healing, uh, got up and drove to Oklahoma City from Duncan's 85 miles, went to the airport, picked up an evangelist and carried his bags. And, you know, if you've had a hemorrhage, that doesn't, none of that kind of fits. Okay. But there's a healer. And there are gifts of healing. And it happens in current stuff. There is uh, miraculous powers, and, and I thought, this is so much fun, I don't know where to go. Um, Jesus calmed the storm. This was when he was in the boat. He had to calm the storm when he was walking on the water. He fed the 5,000. He fed the 4,000 with just a handful of food, respectively, and those things. Just miraculous powers. 
And this was not because he was God. This was the power of the Holy Spirit. Are you getting the message? These are the gifts of the Spirit that are available to flow through people who will surrender themselves to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, who are humble enough to be willing to speak in tongues because that goes with the package. That'll deal with your pride a little bit, especially those of us who are so articulate and so in control of our little speech apparatus. And God just has ways of dealing with that stuff. But he wants us to be in the service of God, not in this business of, you know, it's all about me and my reputation and so forth and so forth and so forth. When we came to the gift of prophecy, I got to looking at this and it was like, man, you prophesied all the time. He did, he did prophecy that was later fulfilled uh, within a generation. The city of Jerusalem was destroyed. He said that's going to happen. There won't be one stone left on top of another. That, that all came true. That's historically uh, verifiable and so forth. Prophecy on and on. He, one of the short ones that's not very pleasant, he said, Peter, you're going to deny me tonight. And Peter and all the other disciples were saying, <laughs> not me. That's not going to happen to this boy. I'm ready to die for you. And Peter had one of the swords that Jesus was asking if they had, and they said they had two. He had one of them, and when he said that, I can just see him reaching over and hitting that, that hilt. Rather than die for you, I mean, rather than deny you, I'll die for you, but somebody else is going with me. Yeah, but he was right. Jesus, uh, surprise, surprise, Jesus was right. And then there is distinguishing between spirits. A couple of stories in uh, Matthew, the ninth chapter, beginning with verse 2. There's the story of a paralytic being brought to Jesus and uh, Jesus said, son, your sins are forgiven. Why didn't, why didn't he just heal him? Because he discerned a spirit here that was, that was tied to guilt. And um, we used to have in behavioral science, I don't know if we still have this or not. Um, I need to ask Dr. Little. We used to have a, a term, uh, it was guilt hysteria. And that stuff will make you sick. And this guy was paralyzed by this spirit. And then later Jesus said, now go ahead and get up and take your bed and go. And he did. He discerned what was going on there. And then there was a woman in a synagogue who, had, who was bent double. And it was identified as a spirit of infirmity. Jesus got in trouble for healing her on the Sabbath. Bless his heart. He just couldn't get it right, I guess. But uh, he healed her anyway. I bet she was glad that he didn't get it right. And I want us to see today that God is calling us to a life of abandonment to the leadership of the Holy Spirit. If you have not been baptized in the Holy Spirit in the next week or two, we are going to, we are going to have a time where I will give you simple instructions and we will have a prayer. And if you want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, you just will be. It will just happen. God just does that. I... I will save that sermon. I started part of it, but I'll save that for then. 
But if you're not baptizing the Holy Spirit, start making yourself available to that. Start saying, God, create a hunger in me. Because, folks, the revival is coming. And we need to answer that question well. Who do you say I am? We need to be able to say, he is the one that saw you sitting under the fig tree over there. And he's out to get you with his love and his forgiveness and his healing and his restoration. That is what we need to be doing. I look around this congregation and there are people who either need healing themselves or uh, have family members that are just sick, seriously ill. Our two members that are in the hospital right now. Folks, the Holy Spirit is the answer to that. And Jesus is the one who gives that. And when we face the needs that are going to come to us, and they're not going to be nice, churchy people, okay? They're not going to know how to act in church. They're not going to know that they're supposed to do certain things with their lives so that they can just sort of be ordered and and, and so forth the way the scriptures say. They're just going to come the way they are. And you know what we're going to do with them? If God helps us, we're going to heal them. And we're going to bring them deliverance. And we're going to bring them forgiveness and restoration. And they are going to grow into those people who will be doing the same thing with the next wave. Amen. This is the will of God. Who do you say Jesus is? May we pray. Father, would you by your spirit come upon this place in a way...